You're listening to the Bored to Death Bingecast, talking TV shows and movies in easily digestible chunks. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and other assorted gender assignations. Welcome back to the Bored to Death Bingecast. I am Jay, and I'm being joined by Sam. And we're back to continue My Hero Academia Season 4. Uh, as we record this, it's several weeks after we've uh, we've done our last binge, and we still haven't put up all of our binges, because we've been doing WandaVision instead for our weekly releases. But, you know, none of that matters to you when this goes up. It'll be, it'll probably all be in, in sequence by then. Uh, but to refresh, we have just finished the Shie Hasaikai arc. Yep. With the raid on the Yakuza compound, uh, Overhaul was defeated, and then the League of Villains are like, hey... And demoralized after that. Yeah, demoralized because the League of Villains just show up and they're like, hey, uh, we're going to take your hands. and that take thing all that of you, your power. And we're going to take your power away from you, and we're going to take away the tech that you made, and we're going we're gonna to get rich off of using it, and we're going to take down the hero, hero society instead of you. Uh, so thanks! <laughs> well, the thing is, they did get rid of one of his hands. One of them is still in a capsule. Except, uh, well, yes, it's still in a capsule, but, you know, well, that's a good point. Could Overhaul's hand still be usable? It depends on what sort of powers All for One still has. Still has if they have a big chunk of DNA, they could actually extract the... Uh, exactly. If they can figure out a way to extract a quirk using science instead of quirks, then, well, and to to an extent, they have. That's exactly what the Shia Saikai did with yep. uh, with the quirk uh, suppression uh, stuff and the rewind bullets or rewind so the, serum. So the tech's out there. Yep, but. Let's one thing to bear in mind is we don't know if that tech necessarily survived what happened in the Yakuza compound because there was a lot of collateral damage, partly because of mimic just warping everything, um, and then overhaul just tearing everything apart. Especially after uh, they pissed him off real good. Yeah, and he went uh, and he went one winged angel. <laughs> You're all going to die. Bye, everyone. Yep. Um, so, but in the aftermath of all that, Mirio lost his powers because he got hit with the cork removal yeah. bullet. And there's still some hope that when Aerie gets control over her powers that she might be able to rewind it back so that he can get his powers restored. Hope but so. she doesn't really have control over her abilities. Yeah. Yeah, which is understandable. She's a traumatized little girl. That has been theoretically killed and reconstructed over and over again. We don't know that she was necessarily killed. They brought her to the brink of death and then Overhaul used his abilities to basically put her back together. But it wasn't pleasant, whatever they did to her. Because, you know, she had bandages all over her and she was terrified of him. Uh... And she, yeah, you know, she had. There, I got the impression there was some Stockholm syndrome stuff going going on there because of the because of everything. Yeah, you because know, she still was she still reacted badly to him getting hurt in such in some way, or just like she was sort of freaking out that he was getting hurt because she knew what his powers could do to someone. Mm. The whole whole reason why she kept going back to him was because she didn't want anyone else hurt. 
Yep. Probably somebody was taking care of her or overall found him and he was the one that killed her parents because... And Sir Night Eyes was killed in the midst of all of that. Yep. Uh, well, mortally wounded and then later died in the hospital. But there, he, there, there was the impression that he used his, he used his quirk in his final moments and saw that uh, there was hope for the future. Sort of thing. That, yeah, while all my... Or he was just bullshitting. Also possible, but we'll never know. Yeah. Because he's dead. We can ask him. Do, is there somebody that has a quirk that allows him to talk to the dead? Not as far as I know. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> there probably is somebody out there with that sort of ability because they've put in just about every other kind of superpower. <laughs> I don't know. They haven't really mentioned a whole lot about the dead. There was nothing spiritual. I guarantee you somebody has probably written that fan fiction where there's some sort of villain that has the ability to resurrect the dead, but it's like zombies. Like Black Lantern shit. Huh. Um, but, yeah, so now we've got uh, an episode coming up where apparently they've the provisional licensing, uh, licensed training stuff, which is, you know, Bakugo and Shoto and a, and a few of the others having still uh, going through the going through the process of getting their provisional license so they can actually you know do use their quirks in the defense of people yeah. uh, and they've got to now work on being you know friendly and for the kids <laughs> for the children for the children um, because this next episode, episode 79, is called Win Those Kids' Hearts. So, yeah, that's that's where we are right now. You know, and I'm still, you know, I, I still do enjoy this enjoy this series. I just like the world building that they've, that they've done. They don't try to beat you over the head with all of it, but when they fill in details of how the, how the society works, it's introduced... It feels natural. It feels natural the way, the way it comes, comes across in the, in the story. They don't ham fist too much at yeah. you, and if it is, it doesn't really feel preachy either. No, when it comes to certain subjects, it, it comes across as sort of like this is how, if you know the Marvel or the DC universe with any sort of power registration things were to go on, in a more in a more uh, level headed. This is manner. after it's, Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> If it went the other way for superhero registration. Yeah, and Tony Stark didn't decide to go like full fascist sort of thing with it. Um, but yeah, so it's an interesting it's an interesting world that they've that they've constructed. And I think part of part of it I think is the fact that, you know, like eighty percent of the world has quirks. That too. Whereas in like the Marvel you know, at Marvel and D C universe. It's twenty percent. It's it's the other way around. <laughs> Uh, so that where the pe- the powered people are the are the ones in the minority, sort of thing. But for now, for now, well, yeah, and I recall there uh, bef- before House of M, it's like the 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 tick up. It was ticking upward in terms of number of mutations coming along. Not all of them were necessarily like world breaking power, but there were more and more mutations manifesting like that. And then, you know, House of M happened, and suddenly the number of mutants was drastically reduced, and they're not being born. Drastic go down. Mm -hmm. And in one of the, in, what was the name of those, uh, that, like, miniseries? There were some miniseries that showed, like, a potential future of uh, the Marvel Universe, where, like, 
practically everyone had powers. It's like it had just sort of exploded, and even people that didn't have powers previously now had some sort of mutation. Weird. I can't remember what it was now. At any rate, uh, but yeah, My Hero Academia, so we'll be jumping in for another five-episode binge, so we'll be back after the binge. While the binge is happening, thanks for listening to our podcast. Please give us a like and subscribe and spread the word. You can reach us on social media on Facebook or Twitter at BTD underscore BingeCast. The Board to Death Clan is part of the CKCC radio podcast family, including J Bunny's Music Hub, The Race Nerd Podcast, Real Paranormal Talk, Ranking Tracks, Motivational Moves, Girls Who Like, and The Nerd Table. Please consider supporting CKCC Radio on Patreon. And now, the binge is done, so let's get to the discussion. And we're back. So, definitely fall, going into like fallout of the uh, Shia Hisaikai arc, and now we're going into the school festival arc. With a mini arc inside the arc. With a little mini arc inside the arc with... Uh, gentle criminal, but we'll get to him <laughs> in a little bit. It's just because I kind of want to hold off on saying anything about gentle criminal until until later, but there's a lot to... There There are some things I made, it, made a note of in here, because the first two episodes were dealt with, that we binged today, dealt with the remedial students for the for the provisional license. Oh, yeah. Uh, having, trying trying to win the hearts and minds of the, of the of the bratty elementary school kids. Kindergartners. <laughs> Grade school kids, basically. Um, Unruly as it is. Well, and it's because they've got pretty strong quirks for their age. They basically feel like, we don't need to listen to you. <laughs> you know, typical sort of sort of thing. You know, if somebody thinks that they know better, they're not going to listen to the people that actually do. Oh, coincidental that Baka goes in that training and it's yeah. like a whole class of Bakugos. <laughs> right? Um, although I got the impression that Bakugo didn't really so much misbehave in class, really, as he was just an obnoxious jerk to everyone. Yep. Um, and so, but they, uh, so the three ones, the four students in that class that we really, that the remedial class that we really focused on were Bakugo, Shoto, Whirlwind, I can't remember his name. Um, Damn, I forgot. I had it. And and Kami, and we now know this is this is the actual Kami because yeah. she was using her using her quirk. And the reason she's in the remedial class is because well, she basically like slept for four days because uh, the League of Villains had drugged her uh, when uh, Toga impersonated her for the provisional licensing exam. And. She's like a sweet little ditz, <laughs> but dropping all sorts of um, slang. You end those? No, just a bunch of slang. Oh, slang! Oh, yeah, the slang stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's no Constance. innuendos. That's midnight more more than anything, or no, or Minetta. But Minetta is so blatant about it that you could hardly call it an innuendo. Um, but yeah, she's just sort of like throwing out the yo and totes and cray cray and, and things yeah, she's like throwing that. Everything um, and so like, but the but the bratty kids are just like completely. Oh, and I gotta I gotta talk about Kang Orca for a second. Just him being drill sergeant nasty to them, like asking them asking the four of them questions or 
three of them, not Kami so much, but asking the three of them questions, and when they answer it, he's like, wrong! And throws oh, no, he it. was he, he was yelling at, at all the remedial students, and they were the only ones to pipe up. Yeah, <laughs> and then he <laughs> labeled them fish turds. <laughs> Um, but he basically, while all of them were sort of put in charge of winning the hearts and minds of the kids, uh, it was those four with Kami, you know, that... Well, the other ones were supposed to do just regular Oh, it was those, those four. Because they have problems, well... Three of them had problems with, uh, working together. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially because Bakugo is just like, his behavior at full stop (laughs) needed a lot of work. And... Well, they put Kami in there because they, they haven't seen. They haven't really seen much of, much of what she can do at all. That and they need to have a female in the group to balance things out. Yep. And those kids, yeah, they didn't want to listen to anything that was going on. And one, you know, like they all showed off. They had, yeah, they do have some pretty strong quirks. And that's when, um, Meatball, you know, whose name again I can't remember. The one with the meatball quirk from yeah. Whirlwinds. Uh, school, Shiketsu. Yeah, Shiketsu talked about how this is this is something that, that uh, has been noticed that as quirks are pat, you know, like interact with one another, and you know, with people getting married and passing quirks on, and they combine and create stronger quirks. Sometimes mutate. Sometimes mutate. It's you know, it's talk. He talked about something called quirk singularity doomsday. <laughs> I mean, you've sort of got one of those wrap all in one person with all for one. <laughs> and, yeah, that's... But it's a, it's a fairly good point, and it's one of those ones that... I mean, we were sort of talking about uh, Marvel and stuff in the intro to this uh, binge cast, but as, you know, pe- as people with powers, you know get married or have kids together those kids will sometimes get combinations of their powers that become stronger than the original in a lot of respects well then early on with a lot of things untamed untapped or controlled power right um reminds me uh, i don't know if you ever saw the movie sky high nope it was a dealt with like super well like Kids with superpowers going to school to be trained how to become like superheroes and stuff, and the and the main character was the son of two superheroes, uh, the commander and I forget what what his what his mother was called, but it's like his mother had the ability to fly, his father was basically like super strong, uh, and but he doesn't have any powers. Hmm. But he basically gets into the school because of because of his because of his parentage, but because he's not able to demonstrate his uh, his powers when you know going through like orientation, he gets shunted to the sidekick uh, course. <laughs> and but partway through the movie, he does develop his uh, his strength uh, power, but. During the movie, it's sort of talked about how when two, when two superpowered individuals have a kid together, the kid could, could develop either one's, either one's powers or, or both, but it, you know, it's mentioned that it's super rare. Guess what happens by the end of the movie? He has them both? Yep. Whoa. 
Shocker of all shockers. <laughs> shocker of all shockers. But really, it's uh, by the end of the you know the main gist of the movie is getting the sort of like the misfit kids that are all in like in the sidekick course because they don't their powers aren't considered strong enough to become full fledged heroes. They end up having to help save the day. Well, As, of course. Of, uh, well, of course. But you know, it's sort of, that sort of remi- this quirk singularity doomsday thing is sort of what I'm thinking of here. Um, but by the end of the uh, of that, that two episode arc, they do manage to get the get the bratty kids who were getting ready to throw down with them. <laughs> they were throwing down with them. Well, yeah, that's true. Like the kids start throwing their throwing their powers at them. Well, don't forget the nicknames they were giving them all. Like uh, <laughs> called uh, Kamia Floozy and uh, Floozy. Uh, uh, Todoroki five weenies, five weenies, because he had these like little like first aid kits on his. Uh, he was trying to teach it, like, no, trying to teach him what, what it was, and they're like, nah, it looks like a wiener. <laughs> I have five weenies, um, and um, I can't remember what they were calling Bakugo or uh, or Whirlwind. Well, uh, they called Whirlwind Gorilla. <laughs> That's right, because he was big, just a big guy. Yeah, he's just a big dude. Uh, the, the bulky clothes he's wearing doesn't really help, because uh, when he's not in that. In his hero outfit like that, he doesn't look nearly as huge as he normally does. Because he has a whole bunch of like windpipes and stuff on him to help mm-hmm. him like control, like to of redirect the wind. his to redirect his wind powers. But when the kids start throwing down, throwing down with them, thinking that they're going to intimidate them like they've done to their teacher and, every, poor, and every other that poor and woman, that poor woman <laughs> who's like crying like all the time. Oh, yeah, the entire episode, well, episodes, she was in tears. Um, and you know, basically any other adult that tries to tell them what to do, they throw, they show off these these powers, and yeah, Team Fish Turd basically just doesn't even blink an eye. <laughs> they're just sort of like, we've gone. They're thinking to themselves, we've gone up against actual villains. <laughs> you know, this isn't this isn't anything. Uh, and they basically work together to sort of combine their quirks and. With all the stuff that they were throwing, with all the stuff they were throwing at them, and Todoroki used his ice powers to basically make like a big slide, like a big slide network thing, using their like hoops and everything as structure because he doesn't. He says, "I don't have fine control to make complex structures yet." And Whirlwind used his powers to like. Sweep them up in the air to the top, and so they could then come down. Kami made it a uh, made like borealis, a made yeah, aurora borealis. Well, we didn't really talk about her powers, glamour. Yeah, uh, she can basically make illusions. And from what I'm hearing, the next update in Destiny, she's going to be in it. You're going to get glamour. You're you're thinking you confusing glamour with glimmer. No. Glamour. Yeah, you're going to be be able to glamour your armor. Oh, you're talking about the. Uh, uh, yeah, the transmog stuff. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, going to be dropping. Well, th- that's that doesn't <laughs> matter for this podcast. I could talk. I could talk for hours about Destiny, but that's not what this. That's not what this podcast is about. Um, I just felt like sidetracking for a second. Yeah, <laughs> you know how to do that. Um, but yeah, the kids start having a good time, and basically they're teach teaching them. It's like you don't have to be. <laughs> be a jerk like this kind of thing. They they had tried to talk to the kids, but the kids just weren't interested in listening. Well, no, they're adults. Mm-hmm. To them. Yep. And while this was all going on, 
Endeavor and All Might were there to were there to watch, and Endeavor took the opportunity to talk to All Might about being the number one hero, because with All Might's retirement, it's like everyone's sort of looking at Endeavor as the new number one hero by default. But he's like, how do you, how did you become the symbol of peace? How do, how do you handle that sort of thing? Like, what is what does it mean to you? Like what? How do I get there? Like I wanted to forge my own path, but every time I looked up, I was so much, it was so much further ahead of me, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And All Might ba- basically does try to give him some advice over it. it. Looked like Endeavor was trying to take it to heart because at the end of the episode, oh, I should mention also Whirlwind and Shoto. Well, Whirlwind is warming up to Shoto a whole well, he's lot. Tr- he tries his damnedest not to have any enemies. If you yeah. noticed, he's he wants to be friendly and he wants to be friends with everyone. <laughs> Um, but I think it's great. Yeah, but you have to remember when he first saw Shoto, uh, or when we f- first saw him meeting Shoto, he was very cold to him, and it turns out that's because of a couple of uh, bad first impressions he got from both Endeavor and Shoto. When he was a kid, he tried to get Endeavor's autograph, and Endeavor just sort of swatted it away. Was like, said, get, get out, out of my way. Well, my thing is, they didn't really show the full scene. Like, what if he was after another villain? What if he was still trying to save somebody? Right. Sure, you know, kids don't really have that... They you, they do have a, a lot of tunnel vision about stuff. Yeah, they don't have a whole view on the But situation. also, when uh, Whirlwind met Shoto... Uh, he said the same thing. It was basically the same thing, and so he assumed that Shoto was just like his Because I think father. he beat him in some kind of a race. Yeah, it was at the uh, provisional licensing... In, no, it wasn't. Well, good it, job. It was, no, it was the UA entrance exam. Yeah. And, um... Trying to get out on recommendations or something. Mm-hmm. And so, but he's now trying... To, he, after he realized that Shoto's not like his father, and actually really regretted the bad first impression that he that he gave him, he's warmed up to him and is trying to be more friendly. Shoto's, yeah, Shoto's kind of, still kind of like, eh, okay. <laughs> you don't have to try so hard to be friends with me. And... He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it because I don't want to have any bad blood anymore. Right. Because he noticed how poorly it affected him mm-hmm. when he was trying to be a hero. And Endeavor, uh, after the whole uh, provisional licensing class thing was over, Endeavor went up to Shoto to basically not you know compliment him on how well he did. And tr- he was trying to be more personable about it. He's trying not to be as much of a jerk as He's he like, I'm going to try my best to, like, you're making me proud. I'm going to try my best to make, to make you to, proud to, of to be To make me to make you proud of me as a father. Yeah. So he wanted to try his best. And, like, Shoto's, like, kind of hesitant. He's like, uh, Shoto, you're well, not my Shoto's, dad. What are you doing? No, Shoto's like, well, no, he is his dad. But it's just like, <laughs> you being nice to me now is not going to make up for years of abuse at your hand. <laughs> And but it seemed like he was like you're putting in the effort though, so I'm not gonna you know. Like, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the effort, but you know we're we're not okay yet. Yeah. And even and, and even uh, whirlwind it seemed to have noticed that. <laughs> punched himself. <laughs> punched in himself face. in the face. Like, am I dreaming? Wham! <laughs> no, I think it was more like getting up the like getting the hatred out of him. Yeah, just sort of like I gotta punch it. <laughs> he goes up to Endeavor to to basically, you know. Say say hello or you know agree to like me. Punching out his best judgment. <laughs> yeah, and Endeavor is just like thank you, and you're bleeding by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but that whole thing, the whole thing with Endeavor and the symbol of peace thing, Endeavor, by default right now, is the number one hero. Mm-hmm. He's not the symbol of peace, though, <laughs> because he's just not wired to be the same sort of all-loving hero that All Might is. And I do wonder what that is going... That is going to be affecting the hero society and everything, as well as All Might's retirement. It's like your number one... Your new number one hero is this abrasive jerk. Uh, that's going to that's gonna affect things. And obviously the... There's, you know, Deku is seen as the guy that's going to inherit the mantle of the symbol of peace whenever he, when he gets to that point, but still going to be far off. He's still not there yet. Um, and then we had the brief little thing with, uh, Aoyama, because <laughs> <laughs> we had a little time passes montage, you know, you know, I had Night Eye's funeral, the work studies were put on hold because of everything that happened with the Shie Hasaikai and everything. And Aoyama basically came up to Deku (laughs) (laughs) just shoving cheese in his mouth and is being like Like all... mid-sentence. Like mid-sentence thing and he's just sort of winking at him and then he like creeps up to Deku's bedroom window and leaves some more cheese outside. Because we gotta mention they share a balcony. They share a balcony, that's right. And Aoyama, you know, left some cheese on his balcony but he'd arranged the cheese to read... I know. <laughs> and it just freaked Deku out. <laughs> no. He's like, what does he know? Yeah. And so but he got the opportunity to go talk to Aoyama during their next like gym class. And Aoyama basically says, I know that your quirk is incompatible with your body. And admits that his quirk isn't compatible with his body either. That he's had to wear that like that belt. Naval laser that, belt. The, to contain his naval laser. Since he was a little boy, because it it, otherwise, out. otherwise it leaks out, and so I get kind of compare it to like Cyclops's uh, beams. Yeah, although in Cyclops's case, there was like some brain damage or something. I thought yeah. that that well, caused it. I didn't know. I you know him and his brother Havoc. I think they both had you know had some something happen to them that makes it so they have to wear something that keeps their powers in check. Like, Havoc mm. wears, like, a harness or something. Yeah, he wears that... I thought it was always an amplifier for some reason. Well, I think he's adjusted it so he can amplify his powers through it, but he needs to wear it to contain it otherwise. Just like with Cyclops, he needs to wear, like, the Ruby Quartz glasses all the yeah. time to prevent his his uh, eye beams from just going crazy. Um, but Aoyama, you know, had... had was doing the whole, like, trying to give him cheese and everything to try to lift <laughs> Deku's spirits. <laughs> and Deku, all in fas- fashion of all of it being creepy, all of it having the undertone of music. <laughs> yeah, it was very sort of creepy stalkerish, but it turns out, no, he was just trying to be friends. <laughs> um, but then we got into the school festival arc. Uh, they're doing another... Uh, we're doing another festival, but whereas the sports festival is more a chance for the hero course to... To show off. To show off their moves. To show off their moves and everything. The school, the school festival is a chance for all the other classes to to do the same. Like more of the support class, <clears> more <throat> of the... The support class, the general, the stu- general studies and business. Yeah. Um, and 
and Izawa, Mr. Izawa basically tells them, you've got to make up your minds what your, what your class is going to do. And while they have a brainstorming session, they're, they're not able to decide. <laughs> it was a great little brainstorming session. It's like all these like food suggestions and everything. Um, or experiences like the Maid Cafe. and you know, That's not really an experience. <laughs> it is. The Maid Cafe itself is an experience without having previous experiences. Like right. Right. Being able to cook. Um, you know, and while they weren't able to make, make a decision, Aizawa basically tells them, either you come up with something uh, by tomorrow, or we're going to go with my idea, which is a general lecture. And they're like, you mean just a class? <laughs> <laughs> and what they end up settling on, and they, they discard all the food suggestions, because everybody in UA is used to getting Lunch Rush's food, and it's like gourmet. So, uh... That all that stuff is out, and while they were talking about all this, everybody was suggesting various things that were usually related to various hobbies that they had. Like um, Sugar Rush suggested suggested like a creamery or or crepes. A crepes that's what it was, <clears throat> and you know that's because he's he cooks uh, you know sweets and stuff in his spare time. Yeah, if, you know and. Uh, and everyone points out that's because you know it's it's a hobby that comes in handy for him for his quirk because yeah. of his quirk and that's a general thing. Everyone also pointed out that Jiro, you know, does a lot of stuff related to music in her spare time. I mean, she's got like a freaking studio in her in her dorm. But room. she's like, that's literally my hobby. It does nothing for my quirk. For my and she's real shy when they when they basically suggest doing like a concert, and which is what they end up settling on. But she's, you know, it came across a whole lot like, I'm not sure if it's so much stage fright or performance anxiety, as much as like this is this is a hobby, this is a thing I do for me. I don't really want it to be public, kind of thing. That is how some people view. She's still really a shy person in general. Mm. Um, but she did agree to. Uh, help put together the performance and everything. They settle on like a rock slash rave club scene kind of kind of thing. Um, and in the midst of all this, Ari has woken up from her uh, from her coma essentially after the events in the Shiai Saikai thing. Um, and her horn has shrunk back down to a nub because they realize that her horn's growth is related to how much power. Uh, she has to throw around with her quirk, so if it's down to a nub, then it's she's then it's more in control. And they finally uh, allow her some visitors after she requests, specifically Mirio and Deku, because she remembers the two of them from what happened. And you know when they meet with her, she's still like racked with guilt because partly because of what Overhaul had basically done to her with his emotional abuse. Yeah. And then they also, also the loss of Mario's power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're both real quick to assure her, we don't blame you for that. <laughs> it's not your fault. And, you know, they're, they're like, everyone there was there to try to help, were to try to help you to, so that we could see you smile. And she then, like, pulls at her cheeks trying to pull it into a smile. It's like she's, like, I don't, I don't really know what it feels like to smile anymore. And I'm just like, you poor, you poor girl. <laughs> um, but they, then Deku gets the idea of, why don't we take her to the school festival? 
And so he asks Mr. Aizawa about it. Aizawa's like, I'll have to talk to the principal, but I don't see why we couldn't. And the principal eventually does say yes, but as a little thing that gets thrown in there, the principal is also approached by the police, and they're like, you should cancel the festival because UA has been targeted every time they have one of these. They have yeah, something Yeah, any kind like of grouping this, of the kids. Of, of the kids, you know, with the... With, uh, the the first attack by the League of Villains at the... That was only Class 1A. Yes, but... Uh, and then the summer camp. It's just like they're po- they've pointed out, and the police aren't entirely wrong with this. It's just sort of like it's too great a risk that some, that you know the villains will or somebody will take... will look at it as an opportunity. And the principal's just like, we need to do the festival anyway... So that they don't, so that things don't look so grim for the future. Yeah, you know, if 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 they didn't have anything to take their mind off of all the bad stuff that's been happening around, mm-hmm. the loss of the number one hero, the death of others, the yeah, complete certain destruction of the, certain areas, the retirement of All Might, and everything, it's like they need to, they need this, and even the class one A students were like, we kind of need to do this to try to keep everyone's spirits up. And to try to, because right now they're all forced to live in dorms like we are because of what happened to us. And Bakugo saw like those general studies students. Uh, oh, they like, were like looking right at them, talking glaring about like directly at them and talking about they're, they're trying to put on a concert like that's going to make it okay. What happened? How, how, how arrogant are they? Sort of, sort of thing. It's, there's a lot of bad feelings going on there. Um, and you know, but they still work on uh, getting everybody, getting everyone together to make the concert. They split everyone into like three teams: the band, the the effects team, and the dance team. The and the effects team were were, were going to have like Shoto, you know, make a bunch of ice, Kirishima just like smashing it into like into like a mist or like particles Shards into the air, and, and Aoyama being a living disco ball. <laughs> and he's like, this is what I was born for. <laughs> um, and Sarah, I think, was going to use his tape to do, like, streamers, uh, streamer sort of thing. Uh, as for the band, Jiro was going to be bass guitar. I thought she was going to be lead guitar. No, she said she was going to be bass guitar. Uh-huh. Um, Bakugo turns out to be really good on drums, so he's going to do drums. Go figure it's the angsty. We're going to murder them with music! <laughs> um, they got Momo to do the keyboards, and they got, uh, they got like two people, I think, to do uh, like regular guitar. Because they got um, Dark Shadow, whose name I can never remember. Um, he turns out to be really good on guitar. And um, what's his name? This, the lightning guy. Yeah, I keep having the names and they just come. <laughs> yeah, same, the same. My brain. Um, but he also turns out to be pretty decent on guitar, also. So they've got three guitarists. You know, it's a bass Kaminari. Guitar. It's not Kaminari. He's the one that's. He's the. Uh... Yay! Is it Kaminari? Yeah, that's him. Okay. <laughs> we saw him when he was in like the math class. His brain was he, was he was like shorting out his brain. He's like two plus two plus one equals yay. <laughs> um, and. Then the, and they also decided that Jiro was going to do vocals also because they needed somebody to do to do the singing and 
everyone else that, that tr tried that tried is just sort of like that's just yelling. Uh, you're off key. Oh, Manana <laughs> was just screaming. It was just yeah. And well, um, Kirishima tried. No, it wasn't Kirishima. Who was it? Might have been Kirishima. Whoever the one that sounded more like a lounge singer, like on a cruise, like on a cruise ship. Kaminari. Might have been. Yeah, it might have been Kaminari. Um, but regardless, it was Jiro that ended up that ended up getting tapped for that, and everyone else was do was going to be doing like dancing, and Pinky was uh, sort of teaching dance instructor. Them. Yeah, it was being the dance instructor because we saw her doing like break dancing at the beginning of the whole arc, and Deku was just sort of like, "Hey, that's that's." Because yeah. it, it's incorporate, it's good. He for wants her. to learn to learn it as well because it'll come in handy with his shoot style. Um, but later in the whole thing, think about it, he could like go upside down and spin and make tornadoes, mm -hmm. tornado kicks. Yep. Especially because that was the other thing. Uh, All Might started teaching him how to weaponize the the wind pressure from uh, from, from his cork, and. Because when Deku like channeled like twenty percent at full cowling and like delivered a kick, it like blew a huge furrow through the forest around UA, and that's when he when All Might was just sort of like teaching you know was going to start teaching this. Deku realized you've been holding back like all the time <laughs> because if I'm doing this with you know basic moves at twenty percent, you know. That he realized if All Might had been going at a hundred percent with everything, destroying, he would have just destroyed like the entire city with just like Movements. swinging his arm. Um, and so Deku learned was working on learning the precision because he mentioned like long range attacks is where he was weakest. Um, and he basically learned he's practicing like flicking his finger, like we'd seen him do previously. Yeah. Uh, but now trying to like do it more, with more precision to like hit like one tree rather than the whole forest. Also, it looked like he broke one, uh, his middle finger on. Well, no, I think he just sort of strained the muscle. Like uh, all might sort of like that's going to leave a nasty bruise, and he put like some ice on it. I, I don't yeah. think it was a full break, but you know he's working on it. But he's still not close to anywhere close to a hundred percent without some some sort of artificial. Or external uh, boost. I also found out that All Might had a uh, had been using like a uh, like a support device. Once. He had a support device, and then Deku freaked out because he's, he's like, like, "I didn't I'm know about this fan, and I don't know this shit." Um, but in the midst of all this, we also have been introduced to the new little arc villain, or at least for this for the school festival arc, Gentle Criminal, <laughs> who's basically making like YouTube videos of him pulling off these like uh of these like crimes but he's sort of an anti-hero in doing it he's trying to expose uh expose things like we see him rob a convenience store and that convenience store we later find out had been like falsifying the expiration dates on some of their on some of the perishables that they sold and he he was trying to rob them to sort of show to sort of expose it just you know, but it's more like you're robbing the place and not mentioning this sort of thing at all. <laughs> um, 
think he was just trying to bring attention to the place. So if yeah, they're searching it, they see his thing, and then they search the store, then they'll find possibly the uh, yeah article. At the same time, you kind of need to sort of do more to draw the eye to the specific thing you're trying to call call people's attention to. Yeah, you can't do Robin Hood without you know showing it. Yep. Um, Not to mention, they also cut out anything that shows anything about his quirk. Yep. We still don't know what his quirk is. I suspect it has something to do with tea. Because... Like how? Well, we see him, like, pouring tea a whole lot. It's very important to him, his tea. Uh, But he... When he decides he's going to target the UA school festival, uh, you know, to... It seems like he's primarily doing it to try to penetrate their security and show that they're not as secure as they like to claim they are. Yeah, but what kind of problems is that going to cause for Ari and the kids? Exactly. If he even gets close. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because of that. But, you know, as we as he's explaining to his little sidekick, La Brava, the, the Harley Quinn to his Joker, because he has a, the showmanship of everything that he's doing has a real Joker sort of vibe to it. He may not be as whacked out in the head as Joker is, uh, but you can't deny there's a touch of him in in the character. But uh, as he's explaining to Labrava what their what the plan is on the day, you know, it's like we're going to take this route because we're less likely to run into any heroes this way. He points out a specific building next to like a hardware store, which is a cafe. A small cafe run by an old by run by an old man and only has like a few regulars, but he specifically says this is the only place place in town that sells gold tips imperial tea, which had just been shown off earlier in the episode as uh, some as a tea that uh, Momo was brewing that her, that her parents had gotten her. And Rich parents. Rich parents. Yep, and this the fact that he was. Specifying the tea like that is not something you just throw out there unless there unless Gold Tips Imperial is an actual like tea brand or something in Japan and this was like a, a particularly hand fisted like sponsorship thing. Um, but you don't spec- point out something like that without it being meaningful. Um, Could just be a really good tea. But I'm rem- remembering. <laughs> In the provisional licensing exam, wasn't there like a uh, a like hyper intelligent student from one of the other schools who, based on what tea she was drinking, it, it gave her certain certain advantages with her with her quirk. Kind of like um, it was her intelligence, like our hyper analytics. Yeah, and it's like the depending on the kind of tea she had, it it allowed her to focus in on on specific on specific things. Yep, that was her. Yeah, she it was like a, like an all girls school, or her little group was like all girls. I think it was an all girls school. Okay, well, I'm just remembering that you know, just sort of like we've seen that you know, depending on what you eat, you know, kind of thing, uh, or consume, it could give you different advantages. Like we saw that with Manifest. Um, what's his name? Sun Eater. Sun Eater. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on what the, on what he eats and consumes, it gives. He can then manifest those abilities. You know, and of course with Sugar Rush's quirk, you know, the more, the more, uh, you know, he gets strength from what he eats. Fat Gum, 
you know, it's less what he eats so much as that he has to eat a whole bunch to pack on the to pack on the to pack on the calories. To, you know that he then Mobile, stores. She's got to and you know, got to keep her lipids up and everything. So yeah, it's like the fact that he's focused so much on tea. There's got to be a reason for it. Um, what do you think it does? I'm not sure yet because we haven't seen anything related to his I mean, court. That's the whole point. We're, exactly. We're trying to figure it out. There hasn't. There's not really anything that we've seen as any sort of clue. When he was walking away in his first video, we saw him in. That's the only thing I can give you as a hint. I, I'm still just not really sure. I can't. Re I don't really remember very well. Because it makes sense to me since I've already already. Done. Yeah, and you're you're being deliberately obtuse and, and teasing about knowing that knowing what's going on. Possibly. Um, <laughs> um, and more in, in all of this, we've also seen, and you've you've talked about this before as well, that it really frustrates you because you're like, I don't want to like him. Stop making Bakugo more likable. You know, he's starting to his character his cares. character growth is very impressive. They're doing a lot of character growth over a bunch of different characters. Mm -hmm. Like when he when he reached out to the bratty to the bratty uh, like smart kid. Literally telling him, that's why I have a problem, because it's like I hold myself you, higher you, than others. It's like, when you look down on everyone, you can't see your own weaknesses. And the kid sort of looked at him and realized, this guy is talking to me as an equal. Not looking down on me because I'm a kid, but also sort of like, he, he nailed he, it. Was, he uh, nailed it. <laughs> that he really meant it, too. That mm -hmm. was the other thing. And he's been doing other stuff also, like trying to, you know, encourage some of the other students in, in 1A and not being just sort of like, you gotta get on my level, nerd. I mean, he's still doing that to some extent with Deku, but that's because he sees Deku as the actual rival. That well, he, he did say, I'm not gonna, um, I'm gonna beat you, but don't let me beat you. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's just sort of like, I'm going to beat you, but you better not hold, hold anything back. He wants. I don't want to hear any excuses. Mm -hmm. It's like when uh, he showed off his drumming things, you know, and uh, his drumming skills, and everyone's just like, "We want you to do this." He, he points out that every, all the other classes in the school hate them already, and us putting on this this concert isn't going to make them immediately like us. But he's like, "That's why we we're going to murder them with music." <laughs> uh, Deku, you're a jerk, but you're you're our jerk. Deku. Uh, not Deku. Bakugo. God. If anything, he's like the sweetest damn character in there. Yeah, Deku is, is like I said, he's, you know, said earlier, he's going to be the new symbol of peace once he gets once he gets to the right level. Um, and they, but there was, there was a thing during the uh, gentle, gentle videos. We saw his, like, first video uh, where he talked about the big uh, villains. He talked about other villains. He mentioned all, all for one, and he mentioned Destro, who was like the head of like the Meta Liberation Front, I think is what he called it. And there was another one, some sort of like thief. I like, mm. couldn't catch his name. Meta Liberation, huh? Magneto? <laughs> no, that's the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. <laughs> I know, but it's, yeah, to liberate the mutants and show them they have the power to rise up. Yep, and, but it's, you know, the the fact that they name-dropped a couple of other villains like that that we haven't seen yet, that's gonna be significant! 
Um, but how soon will it be? Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing. I doubt it's going to be in this season, but they're laying the, the groundwork for next season. It's got to be, because there's only um, a handful of episodes here, and you don't name drop uh, somebody from a group called the Meta Liberation Front, and, and sort of mention him in the same breath as All for One, and not have him be a villain that you beat in, like, a handful of episodes. You got you got to beat him in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you build up to you build up to it. Like all How for that all name, for though? one, they they dropped hints at him. Destro, really? Yeah. We really going GI Joe with it? I mean, but yeah, there's still more going on here. There's you know things are still looking a little grim because you know the League of Villains are still out there making making plans. They name dropped another another villain group in the Meta Liberation f- Front, uh, and the fact that there are still people that are looking at UA and being like, "You're the problem. I'm going to target you." Right. Yep. Because that's where all the big names come from. Mm-hmm. It's when you're number one, you're the, you've got a target on your back. That's how it goes. Because <laughs> yeah, no one's in front of you. Unless you're in the world of Afro Samurai, in which case, if you're number two, you've got a target on your back. Because of how things worked in that, in that setting. It's like only number, the person with the number two headband could challenge the one with the number one headband. Mm. But, at any rate, um, I need to go back and watch that again. It's been years and I don't remember it too well, but I remember that... That aspect of it's why everyone kept going after Afro be, uh, because he had the number two headband and everyone wanted to, wanted it so they could challenge challenge um, I can't remember his name Justice that was the name of the name of the guy the gunslinger that took the number one headband from Afro's dad oh Justice was voiced by Ron Perlman too which made it awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we're school festival, you know, trying to trying to keep things upbeat, but there's still bad stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bad. Present Mike is still awesome in his role. Like he got bored just watching the watching them try he to play around with the kids. It came down to commentate. <laughs> uh, like commentating on four high school students trying to trying to babysit a bunch of grade schoolers. <laughs> when those children's hearts. And, you know, it just made me just, I think I commented on this while we were watching, it's just like him trying to commentate on the school festival. <laughs> especially if, uh, especially with 1B's uh, play that they're going to put on. <laughs> the weird play that they've written, which is like Romeo and Juliet, the prisoner of... Azkaban and then some other random novel. Prisoner of Azkaban, the return of the king. <laughs> It's yeah, like, like mishmashing a whole bunch of stuff together. Mostly Monoma just bragging about how awesome it's going to be and how 1A is going to be humiliated and being a typical jerk. And then he gets clobbered in the head. And they have to apologize. It's like, sorry, Kendo's not here to keep him, <laughs> to keep him in check. Cause, you know, she's oh, she's getting the, ready for, for the, the beauty uh, pageant. That's right. And the Jirei was going to be, uh, is, is going for it and trying to, she she was runner up last time. It's because there's some beauty queen that's like the queen of the beauty pageants. And I just looked at the still image they they showed of her. I'm like, how did that <laughs> win number one? What is that thing? Yeah, I'm just like it was like 
I'm, she looked like a fr- like freaking uh, Isma from uh, from Emperor's New Groove. It's just like she just looked like I was like, oh god, why? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, but good another uh, set of episodes. We've got two more binges uh, left, and what we have available in dubbed. Uh, we've got the last of, last five episodes of uh, season four. We've got the two OVAs, which will be a separate a separate binge, and then we can get to movie number two. Yep. Which was Heroes Rising, I believe. Yep. Is that the next? One? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, still enjoying this. Still liking the gradual world building that they give us with all this, and the character growth and development. Mm, exactly. It's something that I that I really do appreciate because I'm a sucker for good world building, um, and you know how they choose to drip feed the uh, the elements of it. Something I hope to do in my own writing when I get get around to finishing to writing and finishing the story I've been working on since December. So oh wow yeah well I was doing a bunch of stuff for a world building challenge writing thing or well, world building challenge in general got a bunch of ideas now i've just got to take those ideas and write a story with them but hey that's not what this this (laughs) podcast is for i'm just saying i'm looking at stuff like this as inspiration for how to approach world building and i'm glad i was able to get you into it yeah well it's one of like i said uh way back when we started doing this i've been meaning to try to get into it i just never did but now i finally have an excuse to do so There you go. But so, hey, that that'll wrap up this uh, this edition of the binge cast. So, unless you have anything else to add, uh, after that you get ready for some uh, one punch. One punch. That's right. Do some more superhero stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I I never get burnt out. I, I know a lot of my friends and other people I know. Oh, I'm so over over superheroes. This and superheroes. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. You know, I'm. I'm, you know, I'm I love. I love. Super, I love superhero again. stuff. It's. It is. It is very interesting. I, there's a lot out there that I haven't delved into, but I love the to see how different uh, different approaches to the superhero stuff. You know, MCU of course is, is held up there as one of the, like the gold standards, or at least in terms of how successful it is. It's not. It's not entirely. Not without its flaws here and there, but. Uh, they have done a good job in keeping people engaged with it, like we've been seeing with WandaVision. You know, the get, keeping people guessing about what's going on and everything. And of course, DC has their own has their own approach to it. You know, and then there's we'll like be getting to that. And then we've got like the Arrowverse, all the Arrowverse stuff, and then you've got. I can understand that you can have like be weighed down by too much. Of mm-hmm. it, but it's just how much you intake. Right. Just because it's there doesn't mean you have to consume it right away. Sorry. Like, I could, like, like we're watching now with My Hero, I could watch My Hero over and over again. I've already watched One Punch Man season one and two twice this year. Well, I, you know, in, in 2021 or over the last 12 months? Over the last couple months. Okay. Well, hey, there you go. Um, I'd be probably uh, trying to get dive into more stuff if I could get streaming options to work at work but you know the limitations of the of the network settings prevent, yeah. prevent me from making use of a lot of streaming sites and even the streaming sites that do work like YouTube 
I can't watch movies or TV shows on there because of there's a different uh, like protocol or something oh. that's that that doesn't work. Weird. It used to, and now it doesn't. Really, really frustrates me. But hey, that's uh, that's me. Uh, but hey, I can still use keep those on the list for doing an eventual binge cast for. Yeah. Uh, so yep. That'll wrap it up. So for Sam, I'm Jay, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Board to Death Binge Cast. Be sure to check out our library of past podcasts via CKCC Radio or via our YouTube channel, and give us a like and subscribe. We'll see you after our next binge.